Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. So I'd like to begin this Easter Sunday with a quote from Philip Yancey. He's an American author who primarily writes about spiritual issues. It goes this way. If I take Easter as the starting point, the one incontrovertible fact about how God treats those whom he loves, then human history becomes the contradiction and Easter a preview of ultimate reality. How does that sit with you in the world that we currently reside in? Ultimate reality. Yancey, who leans towards evangelical Christianity, believes that if we start with Easter, the risen Christ is how God treats the world, which God loves, then human history becomes the contradiction. And Easter, a preview of ultimate reality. And now another quote from Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopal priest and self-described spiritual contrarian. Resurrection is entirely unnatural. When a human goes into the ground, that is that. You do not wait around for the person to reappear so you can pick up where you left off. Not this side of the grave, anyhow. You say goodbye. You pay your respects. And you go on with your life as best as you can knowing that the only place springtime happens in a cemetery is on the graves, not in them. So where do you land as you consider these two quotes? Is Easter unnatural? Or is it more of a preview of ultimate reality? And now I'd like to engage you with a video that I produced for the Presbyterian Mission Agency. We were in Concrete, Washington a year ago during Holy Week for a story profile on co-pastors Kevin and Danielle Riley at Mount Baker Presbyterian Church, a congregation of about 15 people at the time. Uh, So take a look at the uh, the video now if we can, and and then we'll, we'll discuss this. Tom Wenzel was a Mount Vernon police officer. My first interaction with him was I was pinned to the parking lot of Safeway in Mount Vernon because I was being accused of stealing some food from Safeway. He arrested me that day. Fast forward a couple weeks later, he he arrests Danielle. You know, so we did not have good interactions with with Tom at all. Uh, And after we got clean and sober, uh, I was doing some uh, out-of-custody work crew uh, jail alternatives. So instead of spending time in jail, I was working for the city of Mount Vernon on this work crew. Uh, and Tom decided to retire from becoming a police officer and took over that work crew. And then I remember, uh, I remember walking to work crew his first day um, and just praying incessantly like, God, God, just help me get through this. And uh, 
And when he opened up the door, he didn't even recognize me because I was clean and I was sober and we sat down and we started having a conversation and uh, I told him about my journey. Um, and then he made me the lead of that work crew and about two weeks in, he goes, you know, this is a jail sentence and I have the ability to give you good time. How'd you like tomorrow to be your last day? And I'm like, I would, I would love that. <laughs> He's like, cool man, tomorrow's your last day. You don't have to come back. And so then we just kind of kept staying in touch. Um, Kevin at that point uh, was really strong in, in his faith and, and he talked to me about God a lot and I said, yeah, 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 Kevin, okay. And, and it was always a really neat relationship with him on that because he never shoved it down my throat. He just kept saying, God is good and good things are happening. That's God, yeah, 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 Kevin. You know, I've kind of always done the right thing and I kind of believe in karma. You know, that was my, that was my go-to. When we were getting ready to do the public information meeting for the homeless shelter, I called Tom and I was like, I'm going and doing this by myself in front of all these angry people and I could use some support. And he came. And then he started coming to the church. Um, then he did a sermon with me on forgiveness and reconciliation. And then uh, he met a girl. And then that girl started tilling the soil and watering the seeds of, of Jesus that I had planted. And after us just loosely staying in conversation, he asked to take me out to breakfast one day and said, sure, and went and met him for breakfast. And um, he's telling me all about how he's going to marry this girl that he'd met. And he goes, but, you know, I've decided to give my life over to Jesus and I want to get baptized the day before my wedding and I want you to baptize me. And all of a sudden, everything just fell into place for me. From Kevin having originally planted the seed To my wife cultivating it and and making it real so there I was guess what God's real <laughs> who'd have thunk it 60 years almost to the day and all of a sudden it's real it was it was a beautiful day on the river um, and Danielle and I had learned our lessons from a previous baptism that we needed to have him sit down first before we dunked him. We didn't. We we learned that the hard way. My but cousin is a tall drink of water. Yeah, <laughs> but we baptized him that day, and he just came up out of the water sobbing. It was it was amazing. Yeah. And all I remember from that was Kevin talking to me, and he lowered me into the water, and there was just absolute peace and calm. And then I felt them trying to pull me back up, and I was like, I'm not ready yet. I'm, I'm liking this. Just, just now they jerked me out of the water. And, and so to think back from 15 years ago, whatever it was, middle of the night in a parking lot with two people strung out on, on drugs, living in a truck, and me arresting them to them probably being my best friends, it's just absolutely amazing has come full circle like that. Yeah. Like that's been the whole journey for us is God repairing and restoring all of the broken relationships and all the broken pieces of us. And I mean, it's still a process, but that was just one more evidence of his power <laughs> in our story. Nobody is beyond resurrection. And now consider what you're thinking and feeling as you've considered truths of Easter. How unnatural the resurrection seems when someone you love is gone. And how yet it might be a preview of ultimate reality.
to this statement from Danielle Riley. Nobody, nobody is beyond resurrection. Let's consider this in the light of the passage of Scripture we heard and read together this morning. In Colossians, Paul encourages the early followers of Jesus to think, seek things that are above and not things of the earth. It reads this way in the message written by Eugene Peterson, which is the gospel in common language. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Don't shuffle along with your eyes to the ground. Look up and be alert. See things from Christ's perspective. And how does the risen Christ see things? To get at this, it's helpful to see how Mary responded to Jesus. It was still dark on the first day of the week. And she came to the tomb and seeing the stone removed, she ran to Peter and the other disciple. They have taken away my Lord. And we do not know where they laid him, she says. The Greek word for Lord here is Kyrios, which is the most common name for God in the entire Bible. It's also used as a sign of respect. She says this same word again, Kyrios, when, when the two angels standing in white as, she, white as she weeps. They have taken away my Lord. And she turns around and sees Jesus standing there, but doesn't know it was Jesus. And I'm curious, what prevented her from recognizing Jesus? Was it her deep grief and sadness? Her world is turned upside down. They've followed this revolutionary leader and, and now he's gone and in the tomb and now his body's taken away. And it makes me wonder what, when I or you or we get in these moments of grief and sadness and despair, how that might prevent us from seeing the risen Christ who is present to us in our deep grief and sadness. Because notice what Jesus does to bring her along to recognize him. Why are you weeping? Isn't that beautiful? Why are you weeping? Tell me more. For every person who has ever doubted if God was present to them in their greatest need, Jesus provides the answer. Let me hear you tell me about your sadness. Let me hear you tell me about your grief. Let me hear you tell me about the tears, the brokenness. And still, Mary doesn't see. She supposes the Christ to be a gardener. And sir, and again, the Greek word is kairos, for respect, perhaps, this time. Tell me where my Lord is. And Jesus calls out her name, Mary. And I wish I knew all your names this morning. I'd start listening to them right now. I'll say my name, Paul, Bob, Charlie. And you, 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 and you. Your name. And then she recognizes him. And here Jesus calling your name this morning as he tells Mary to let go. For he is going to God who knows him and her and you and I. Going to God, our loving parent. And so Mary goes to the disciples and says, I have seen the Lord. According to Jeff Brommel, an English priest, this final proclamation of Lord 
is the culmination of the Easter narrative this morning in John. Bramble suggests that Mary, from not quite grasping the implication of Jesus as Lord, to the realization that she had seen the Lord, the progression of recognition. At first, Mary was crying out because of how ghastly humankind can be. She witnessed brutality and horror and duplicity and killing and betrayal during Holy Week, much like we witness today in our world. And yet there is so much good because she recognizes the risen Lord and Bramble suggests she weeps again, but this time tears of great joy. For now she wonders, what is it like to live beyond death? To put aside fear and loss and grief and sorrow and to enjoy life forever. It, it makes me think of the first catechism of the, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I told you I was raised Christian Reformed last week. What is the sole purpose of humanity? To love God and enjoy God forever. Isn't that, isn't that that's the first question? What is the sole purpose of humanity? To love God and enjoy God forever. So what about you and me? What causes you, us, together or individually, to weep? Do we recognize, do you, do we, do I recognize the risen Christ right there with us, with myself, with you? And what does it mean when we say that death is conquered in the midst of all the difficult circumstances facing us, our families, our communities in the world? Perhaps we can begin to think of Easter as a continual process where new life breaks through into seemingly hopeless situations in our lives and in the world that God loves. It reminds me of Kevin and Danielle Riley's story, the co-pastors in Concrete, Washington, and what happens when people begin living the resurrected life, recognizing that Jesus is Lord. This next video actually um, should have been played first, but it shows what this couple, commissioned lay pastors, Presbyterian in Concrete, Washington, how Christ met them, how they became resurrected, and how they are now serving their community, doing good in one of the forgotten areas in Washington State, which is my home state. Um, lots of drugs and alcohol, poverty, and not much hope, but this little Presbyterian church is providing it. My prayer is that this would be so for us to begin living the, living the resurrection life, recognizing over and over again the ways that Jesus is Lord, the ways that Christ shows himself to us. May it be so for you and for me and for us. Let's take another look at this other video. Tom Wenzel was a Mount Vernon police officer. My first interaction with him was I was pinned to the parking lot of Safeway. Yeah, I think that she must have downloaded just one, but 
they are, um, yeah, it's amazing to be with them. You know, you, you travel around the country and tell stories for the, for the church, and it's great to be with real, honest people who've been through it. And uh, they have, they went through a lot of grief in the community, but they turned the church into a, a winter shelter. 50 homeless people were able to stay out of the cold. It was really cold in Washington State in the winter. They have a soup kitchen. They, um, they've hired a gal that works with uh, the community uh, with drug and alcohol rehab. It was, it was a real honor to be with them. And my hope is that as we as we consider that Jesus is alive, that Christ is with us, my hope is that that will motivate us and change us to live in our communities in ways that are help those who need us. I think that's... Uh, I think, I hope that we learn to live as Jesus lived. And Jesus hung with the, the, people, the people on the margins, the people with the women, spoke to women, which was a no-no. Hung out with all the people that the religious leaders didn't want him to hang out with. But I, I pray that... Uh, that we would experience the joy of, the, of Jesus alive and the risen Christ in our lives and in our communities in this place and beyond. Amen.